Hotel in Barrie evicts people living in it. Asylum claims have jumped among people in Canada on student visas. A new journal article shows that residential treatments without medical interventions at best do nothing to save lives from toxic drug deaths. 13 federal agencies are using spyware, and the Indian government has been accused of hiring hitmen to murder sick activists around the world. Good morning. It's Thursday, November 30th. I'm Nora, coming to you from beautiful, cloudy, and rainy San Diego. Here are your headlines. First this morning, we start in Barrie, Ontario. Alessandra Carniero is reporting that a local hotel, a day's in, is ending its practice of providing people emergency shelter. They've been operating as an emergency shelter in conjunction with the Salvation Army starting in 2021. Everyone who's living at the hotel through the program is being evicted. Carniero spoke with a man who lives there with his mother. His name is Robert Ord Duncan, and he said that he has to be out by the end of this week. His mother is currently in the hospital, and because of the eviction, they won't have anywhere to discharge her after surgery. The hotel said that the decision was linked to damage to the rooms that people have caused, which, you know, is going to happen when you house people in a location that isn't set up for a permanent or even really temporary home. He's also worried that him and his mother will be separated if they're moved to another shelter. The region has record high numbers of people living on the street. The Salvation Army told CTV News that there is a temporary solution. Temporary accommodations have been secured with the Barry Bayside Mission, though Or Duncan has not been told about this or that him and his mother will have a place to live. The Days Inn didn't reply to a request for comment. There's no mention of any role that a government is playing in this or the structural problems that exacerbate the housing crisis. Next to the Toronto Star's Nicholas Kung, who's reporting that asylum claims have doubled in the past five years among people who are in Canada on a student visa. Eight of the 10 institutions where these claims have been made come from Ontario college students. Here are some numbers. In 2018, there were 567,065 international students in Canada. That number rose to 807,750. And the number of claims went from 1,835 to 4,880 over the same time period. Next to drug news, a new article in the Journal of Drug and Alcohol Dependence shows that residential and detox treatment for drug users does not prevent fatal opioid overdoses. This flies in the face of the idea that sending someone to detox or a residential program is one possible solution to the toxic drug crisis. What's worse, when detox is forced, it can actually make things far worse for the individual. What does work are treatment programs where people are able to access medications like methadone or buprenorphine, both which reduced deaths by 38 and 34% respectively. On Twitter, Elaine Heishka explained what these results mean for public policy related to the toxic drug crisis. The associate professor and Canada Research Chair at the University of Alberta School of Public Health wrote on Twitter that these findings should be, quote, setting off alarm bells, unquote, within government agencies. 
the government of Alberta has decided that residential treatment and recovery communities are the best ways to address the toxic drug crisis. With research showing that these strategies have no impact on stopping deaths, Heishka wrote, quote, related capital investments should be targeted to permanent supportive housing for people with opioid use disorder and not short-term provision of abstinence-based treatment beds, unquote. Back in July, Michael Rodriguez reported for the Calgary Herald that the government's approach to toxic drugs was like this, quote, the Alberta model focuses on abstinence and rehab facilities for addiction recovery while de-emphasizing harm reduction approaches such as safe supply and supervised injection sites. Provincial officials also are considering imposing involuntary treatment orders, which the premier said Thursday would be a quote-unquote final step if nothing else works. And yet, here is an academic paper that shows that mandatory treatment programs absolutely do not help people. Next, 13 federal departments are using spyware that is, quote, normally associated with the intelligence world, unquote. The use of spyware didn't get a privacy impact assessment, which is a requirement for all federal institutions to do. Brigitte Bureau is reporting that tools that can be used to recover and analyze data on computers, tablets, and cell phones, including when data has been encrypted or password protected, are all possibly caught up in this spyware. Now, what departments are we talking about here? Well, Fisheries and Oceans Canada, Environment and Climate Change Canada, the CRTC, the CRA, Shared Services Canada, the Competition Bureau of Canada, Global Affairs Canada, the Transportation Safety Board of Canada, National Resources Canada, Correctional Services Canada, CBSA, National Defence, and the RCMP. This information was uncovered by a Freedom of Information request by Evan Light, a professor at Glendon College, who said that this news was, quote, worrisome and dangerous, unquote. Originally, he thought that the spyware would mostly be used by police agencies, but was shocked to see how widespread other departments were using it as well. Shared Services Canada bought spyware from Cellbrite, Magnet Forensics, and Grayshift. Here is how Cellbrite explained their spyware. Quote, Technologies are not used to intercept communication or gather intelligence in real time. Rather, our tools are forensic in nature and are used to access private data only in accordance with legal due process or with appropriate consent to aid investigations legally after an event has occurred. The person subject does know our technology is obtaining data through court judicial permission through a search warrant or consent by the individual, unquote. Light says that if departments don't think that they don't need to do an impact assessment, deep surveillance has become normalized, something that really frightens him. Some departments claimed that they don't need to do this because they got judicial authorizations. Philippe Dufresne, Canada's privacy commissioner, said that judicial authorizations do not take the place of a privacy impact assessment. He thought it was quote-unquote overkill to see some of the organizations that are using spyware, specifically noting the CRTC. He said this, quote, The CRTC is bringing a nuclear weapon to a spam fight. It's a bit ridiculous, but also dangerous, unquote. Now, here are the departments that replied to Radio-Canada about what they were using the spyware for. And warning, this is kind of a long list, so let's go. Fisheries and Oceans Canada uses it to enforce the Fisheries Act. They also use it to investigate, quote, violations of government policies such as fraud or workplace harassment. 
The CRTC uses spyware to enforce anti-spam legislation. Environment and Climate Change Canada says that it uses spyware to enforce, quote, different laws and regulations to protect our air, our water, and our natural environment. The Competition Bureau said that they use it to enforce the Competition Act. Shared Services Canada says that when an employee is accused of using a device in contravention of a policy, they use it, and they use it to, quote, perform analysis on large data sets under the control of the department, unquote. National Resources Canada said that they use it to, quote, investigate security incidences regarding departmental equipment and data, unquote. Correctional Services Canada said that they use it to, quote, to extract data on contraband objects seized in Correctional Service Canada institutions, unquote. The Transportation Safety Board of Canada says that they use it to, quote, collect and analyze data related to an incident, unquote. CRA uses it to, quote, analyze data related to alleged tax offenses, unquote. CBSA said they're using spiral to... CBSA said they're using spyware to enforce the Customs Act and the Immigration and Refugees Protection Act. Global Affairs Canada says it uses it to, quote, maintain network and system integrity, unquote. And the RCMP uses it for criminal investigations and national defense uses it for military police and armed forces, but only if asked to support other government departments. Folks, this is a very long and scary list of surveillance. It's straight up surveillance. Watch in the next couple of days if other English language organizations pick up on this media or if it will just be relegated to Radio Canada and one report in CBC. And finally, to news from The Intercept. The U.S. Justice Department has filed charges against Nikhil Gupta, who was hired to coordinate the murder of Gurpatwant Singh Penun, who is the general counsel for the group Six for Justice based in New York City. In the indictment, it's alleged that Gupta was recruited by an Indian government official. He then hired a hitman and paid him an advance of $15,000 to do the murder this past summer. Except the hitman was actually an undercover agent who worked for the Drug Enforcement Administration. Gupta was arrested in the Czech Republic. This plot happened at about the same time as the murder of Hardeep Singh Nijar, who you will recall was murdered in Surrey in June. There have been other cases too, alleged FBI warnings to Sikhs in the United States and an alleged plot to assassinate Sikh activists in Pakistan. The plot with Gupta was actually quite developed. Gupta and others planned Penum's murder, including that he had a meeting in New Delhi to discuss the plot. The Indian government would then clear Gupta in criminal charges that he faced in India. He would also be paid $100,000 for the work. Government officials passed along information about Gupta. Government officials passed along information about Panem to Gupta, like his address, his phone numbers, and daily routine, which Gupta then passed on to the undercover agent. There seems to be a concerted effort by India to murder Sikh activists all over the world. Many Sikh and Kashmiri separatists in Pakistan have been killed, and Sikh activists have died under quote-unquote mysterious circumstances, unquote, in the UK and in Canada. Those are your headlines for Thursday, November 30th. I'm Nora. You're listening to Sandy and Nora at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed or anywhere you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful Thursday.